The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Good morning, good morning, church. What a great morning of worship, a great time to be in God's presence and to worship Him together as the body of Christ. And this morning we come to the conclusion of this amazing series. We've been in this great series called Anxious for Nothing. And we live in this world of anxiety. We live in this world of worry and fear and it permeates our lives and it permeates our culture. And, and yet God has called us to be different. Yet God has called us to live with peace and with joy. And so we're talking about that in this series about how do we live that way. Uh, last year, we took a family vacation and we drove down to Orlando, took our kids and, and we went uh, one day to Disney, which they loved. They, we had a great time. And then we went, we'd never done it before. We went to Universal and our kids are getting a little bit older. And so we go to Universal and we walk in and my middle daughter, Mabry, looks up and says, dad, I want to do that. And that was the Hulk roller coaster right there. So she's like, I want to do that, right? Okay, seven inversions, 67 miles an hour. And I'm all right, let's do it, babe. Let's go, you know? And so Lisa and Grace and Kate said, peace out. We're going over here and you guys go and have fun. And so we went and got in line and we stood in line. And once we got in line, we're standing there for a minute. And she's watching everybody scream as they come down. And she's like, don't want to do it, Dad. Nope, we're done. We're like, and I'm like, no, babe, wait, 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 wait. You know, we got to do this. And so she's like, okay, we can do it. We can do it. You know, and then she stands there. We get a little bit further up, closer. You know, and then she's like, nope, don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. And I'm like, if you got it, you got to stay. We got to, we're going to do this, you know. And then, and then finally we're starting to get close to, it's like our turn. And little tears are coming down her eyes now. And she's like, Dad, I don't want to do it, you know. And here you are at that parent, that moment of, do I let them out of this? Or we've stood in line for a long time. And, you know, and everybody's looking at you. And they're like, I'm, I'm, babe, we're going to do it. We're going to go for it. We're going to get there. We're going to do it. And so you're like, I don't want to do it, right? And so we're like, okay, we're going to get there. And finally we got on the ride. And she like takes my arm, you know, and she's like grabbing her hand and I'm holding her hand tight and it takes off and it's pretty intense. I got to tell you, right? So we're out of the shoot and we're going and I hear her screaming and she's ah, ah, you know, and I, I'm starting to laugh now because this is fun and we go around and we get back and I'm like, okay, you know, how was it? And I look at her and she's like, that was awesome, dad. That was so cool. That was so fun. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. I'm like, Good, it worked out. So, you know, that was great. So we got back in line to do it again. And, and here we are there. She had a blast, right, with us. And it was so fun. But I started thinking about that. And I was thinking, you know, how in life, right, people say life is like a roller coaster. And there are the ups and the downs. There are the twists and the turns. And you don't know what to expect. But I thought for her, she had all this anxiety, this worry, this fear leading up to it. And then she gets there and she's like, 
that was awesome. (laughs) That was awesome. And how many times we look at our lives and how many times we worry and we stress and we're afraid. If you look back over your life, you look back over your story, and there's so many times, and then you get there and you're like, wow, that worked out. Like, I don't know how I came through that, and I had all this worry, this angst, and I don't know how that happened, but, but here I am on the other side of it, and, and sometimes it was awesome, and sometimes you're like, I'm glad I made it through, but here I am, and God is faithful, and God is with me, and God is for me. Now, I saw a statistic that said 77% of people in America today say they were more anxious than they were a year ago. And I was just thinking about, man, if that statistic continues and that trend continues in that direction, you know, how many times people are going to be more and more stressed. But what if we could come and say, God, you're with me. (laughs) And God, I'm going to experience joy and peace and the ups and the downs of life. God, you're with me. God, you're for me. And I don't know what the future holds. None of us do. But God, I know who holds the future. And so I'm going to hold on to you. And I'm going to be with you in the ride. Because you are faithful. And you are my God. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you to open back with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Oh, I love this chapter. It has been an incredible study. We've been walking verse by verse through this incredible chapter here in the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. Love for you to grab one, put your name in it. It's yours. Free gift. Uh, I love seeing people around our church and Bible studies, men's, women's, and they're all Bibles. And and we're just walking through this. Now, I don't know if you underline in your Bible, but I I encourage you to do it. You know, it's a book to write there, write notes in the margin, things that God's teaching you, underline scriptures. I hope you'll just underline this whole passage And I hope you'll memorize it because we've been talking about that this would become the music, the song of our soul and our spirit, that when anxiety rears its ugly head, that we just start to quote, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Now, if you remember David, David, this man in the Old Testament who, who was just in love with God, he was called a man after God's heart. And he's writing this psalm in his old age. And you talk about somebody who's been through the ups and downs of life. I mean, David has had some incredible points. He has been super successful. I mean, he has won about every battle he's fought. God has been with him. But he also had some really, really, really big lows. He made some huge mistakes in life. And yet God was with him, even through it all. And here he is at the end of his life just saying, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing, not because I've amassed a lot of wealth or a lot of stuff, but because the Lord is my shepherd. And he leads me and he guides me. And even though I go through the darkest valley, even though I go through the darkest time, and maybe you're in a dark time today. Listen, you're not alone. It says, even though I go through the darkest valley, God says, hey, don't set up camp there. I'm bringing you through it, but I'm with you through this time. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Last week we saw you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And today we are on verse 6, the last one, which says, Surely, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
David just comes and says, hey, I'm gonna dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My eternity is secure. Now when you think about this, right? Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Now remember, David is using this shepherd theme, this shepherd image, and David grew up as a shepherd. And Middle Eastern shepherds, they lead their sheep. In the West, you know, you see shepherds who drive the sheep, right? There's big herds and they drive them all. But David was a shepherd who led the sheep. He knew the sheep by name, had that kind of relationship there. And surely goodness and love, and if you think about this, the goodness and love are the sheepdogs, right? They're, they're the ones that are in the back, God's love and God's goodness. And the sheepdog is responsible for protecting the sheep. You know, so that when the wolves come from behind or the snakes, you know, they're, the sheepdogs are the ones who protect the sheep. The sheepdogs are the ones who keep the sheep in line, keep the sheep on track, following the shepherd. And David says, it's your goodness and love that do that. It's your goodness and love that do that. A.W. Tozer said this, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And some of you, you may have grown up in a church where it was all like fire and brimstone and and you thought God was a God of condemnation and you thought what was following you was judgment and condemnation, right? If if that's what you think about God, then here's the way you're going to live. You're going to live with guilt. You're going to live with shame. It's going to dominate your thought process. But David goes, no, 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 no. My God is a God of love and goodness. Because Romans 8, 1, right? If you go into the New Testament, it says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That I don't have to have a God who's just condemning me all the time and the weight of that in my life. I can know a God like David in the Old Testament knew a God of goodness and love. Through the ups and the downs, God's love and his goodness is with me. Do you know that God? Do you know that God whose love and goodness is with you, protecting you, guiding you? And then he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And David knew that this life is not all that there is. There is more to come. This is simply the introduction, right? The best is still to be. And David's going, in light of eternity, in light of eternity, I can make it through whatever. New Testament, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And when we're going through things, it may not seem light at the moment, (laughs) but when you look at it in the scope of eternity, you go, oh, God's with me. God's going to make it right. God's going to make everything new. It's going to be perfect one day. And so I am going to follow and trust the one who holds my hand and holds my heart because his goodness and love is with me all the days of my life. Praise be to God. You see, so many times our anxiety, our worry and fear, it really stems from this, control, right? When we can't be in control, then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we're like a toddler. We're just lashing out because I can't be in control until we learn to trust the one who is, to hold the hand of our dad, to know that he is with us, that he is for us and he is in control. 
He is sovereign over all that there is, and he's sovereign over your life and over my life today. If you move into the New Testament, I'd love for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Here's what Jesus says on this topic of worry, of anxiety, of fear. I'd love for you to kind of star this passage for whatever goes on in your life, that you could come back here and camp out here. But Jesus said, and these are red letters, Matthew chapter 6, a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. You worry today? You afraid today? Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And pretty awesome, right? I mean, you look around at the birds. I mean, they're not stressed out. They're not flying zigzaggy, you know, because they're all stressed and worried. They're, they're like, okay, it's going to happen. It's going to be taken care of. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Great question, Jesus. All right, all right. No. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon, who was David's son, who was the wealthiest man that ever lived. And Jesus goes, he wasn't even dressed like one of the flowers of the field. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Right? God knows. God knows what's going on in your life. He knows what you need. And then here's the key verse right here. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus goes, set your mind and your heart on your Father. Seek first his kingdom. God's going to take care of the rest. The rest is just the details. Hold on to him. Through the ups and the downs, through the twists and the turns, he is with you all the time. There's a guy who comes along later on in the Bible. His name is Paul and he decides to live this. Jesus taught it. Paul says, I'm going to live it. I'm just going to focus on him. I'm going to follow God all the days of my life. And if you turn to Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, Paul's in prison. And you would say, Paul in prison going, God, really? <laughs> Do you see? Do you care? Do you know what's going on? Here I am. I'm in the midst of this. But here's what he writes. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice! Exclamation point. Paul goes, even in prison, I'm going to rejoice. Can you rejoice even in the challenges, even the struggles? God, you are here. God, you care. I read the other day that Adults, on average, right, 
Adults, on average, only laugh about 15 times a day. Kids, on average, laugh 400 times a day. And I just thought about that. I'm like, if kids are laughing 400 times a day and adults are only 15 times a day, what happens? Where does that change? Right? What happens there? Where, where does it become so hard and, and, and this intense and, and this burden that we carry, but somehow we lose the joy, somehow we lose the laughter, somehow we are robbed of that. And yet Paul in prison writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I love that word gentleness. Are you gentle? So many times we, we get angry or we get frustrated. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's a whole separate sentence right there. Check that out. The Lord is near. Don't forget. And then our verse right here. Do not be anxious about anything. Anxious for nothing. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Last week we talked about the two antidotes. The two antidotes to anxiety, right? Gratitude and giving. With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't you want that peace? Oh, I want that peace. God, guard my heart my mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul goes, the battle is fought here. What are you putting in your mind? What are you thinking about? Are you allowing that fear in our culture to just take root in your mind? Or are you thinking about the Lord? Are you thinking about things that are good? Are you thinking about things that are right? The miracles that God's doing all around us. And then look at verse 11. Paul says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. And Paul's been there, right? There was a time when he was really successful. He had a lot of money and all these kind of things. And there he is in prison right now. He says, I've learned the secret. Here's the secret. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether the ups or the downs, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the secret, verse 13. I can do all things through him, as through Christ who gives me strength. I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Jesus, you're with me. Jesus, you are for me. If you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. I'd love for you to get these as we kind of end this series, we move on from this series. How do we overcome anxiety, worry, and fear in our lives today? First of all, number one, remember this. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Hey, you must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. There's a lot of people in the world who know about Jesus. 
I mean, really. I mean, other religions, Jesus was a good man. He was a prophet. He was a good teacher. No, but do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? It's not about religion, but about a relationship with him. I'm so glad you're at church. I, I, I mean, church will make you better. I believe that with all my heart. I am so thankful that you're here. But there comes a time as God draws you to himself that you say yes, that you receive the grace of God, that it becomes a personal relationship for you. Not just your family, not just your you know, country, or not just your church. No, you. Personal. Has there come a time it's God's inviting you into that relationship that you've said, yes, Jesus, forgive my sins, redeem my life, restore me. I am yours, wholly and completely yours. Hey, allow Jesus to be in control of your life. Allow Jesus to be in control of your life. A friend of mine sent me this uh, video the other day. Uh, this was on a show called Faraday where he interviews different people and he's interviewing a guy named Burhard Longer. Now you may not know who Burhard Longer is, but he is a professional golfer. He won the Masters twice. He's in his 60s now and he's won a ton of money. He's won a ton on the Champions Tour and he was being interviewed by Faraday and he said, here's the most important decision I ever made in my life. Watch this. In 1985, you win the Masters on Sunday the 11th of April, and then you win at Hilton Head the week after, but it was the Tuesday in between that was really important. Explain that to me. Yeah, I won the, the Masters and drove to Hilton Head. The, the thing is, I felt the real emptiness after winning my first major, and I couldn't explain it. I should have been extremely happy, you know, I was a young man. Freshly married to my new wife, I had everything going. I was healthy, I was famous, I had money, I had cars, houses, so I couldn't pinpoint it. Anyways, I played a practice round at Hilton Head with Bobby Clampett. At the end of that, he says, uh, Bernard, why don't you join us for the Bible study tomorrow night? So I said, well, thanks for the invite. Let me talk to Vicky, my wife, and we'll, we might come. So I didn't commit, but so I shared it with Vicky and then she grew up in a similar circumstance as me and upbringing. So anyways, we decided to go. And there's a verse here. If you don't know it, every guy on tour that I've worked with has memorized it. Larry Mooney was the chaplain at the time uh, on the tour, still is. He shared a story of the book of the, the Apostle John, John 3.3. 3. Uh, Nicodemus, a religious Jewish leader, came to Jesus at night and wanted to talk to him because he could tell there was something special about Jesus. And Jesus told him, you have to be born again to go to heaven. And what, what Jesus was really talking about is we're all going to be born once in the flesh, coming out of the wombs of our mothers. And, but not all of, all of us will be born spiritually again. That's what born again means, spiritually. Once... I heard that lesson explained what it means to be spiritually born again. I bought my own Bible. I started reading, going back to Bible studies the following Wednesdays on tour. And within about three months, it was very clear to me that I need to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Did it feel that emptiness? It did. So as soon as I said that prayer that, you know, like, Lord, I understand you made me and, uh, I want to have you in my life. And uh, when I said that prayer, 
that that point was gone from that very minute and it hasn't returned since 85 so what's that 35 years 35 years you must be doing something right well that was the best decision i ever made in my life so i'm grateful for bobby clampton isn't that awesome I mean, here he is on TV. He's like, I get the chance. I'm going to tell you the best decision I ever made in my life. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He said, I had it all, right? I had money, I had houses and cars. And I was famous, but I knew there was something missing in my life. It's Jesus. And if you're here today and you feel that void, it's Christ. There's a God who has drawn you to himself. There's a God who loves you and wants to have a personal relationship with you. Here's number two. Number two. Pray every day. Guys, pray every day. If you are a follower of Jesus, I know life gets busy. I know we get, you know, things going on. We got kids we're taking everywhere, grandkids and stuff happening. But if you don't pray every day, you're missing out on the power that is available to you. That God is with you. Hey, when anxiety, worry, or fear come, pray immediately. And many times when the anxiety, worry, or fear come, our response is, how am I going to fix this? Right? Our response is, how am I going to fix this situation, fix this relationship, fix this financially, or whatever else? But what if our first response is, God, I just want to give it to you? God, here it is. God, I just give it to you. I want to pray immediately. What are you allowing into your mind and your heart? I mean, really, what is dominating your thought life? Is it the things of the world or is it the things of God? Is it faith? Is it trust? Or is it, hey, I've got all this anxiety and worry and fear. Prayer and meditation will change your heart and mind. I mean, I've been doing so much research and study on this and this series, and it's amazing. You go and, and you read all these, you know, secular psychologists and psychiatrists, and all of them come back to having some time of meditation, Right? Some time of breathing deeply and it relaxes you. Yes, yes, yes. But what are you putting into your mind? And that's the prayer part. You know, prayer is not just talking. Many times we're good at that. God help, but prayer is also listening. God speak. God teach me. God grow me. God, you're doing something bigger in this situation than I can see. God, you're going to use this situation for your glory somehow, some way. Show me that, God. You know, here's Paul in prison, right? Paul always wanted to go to Rome. Now he's in prison Rome. But God was using him there. I mean, every guard that he was chained to, he's sharing Christ. Every time he had a chance, he's sharing Christ. And God is at work. Hey, don't go through life alone. Please, please, please don't go through life alone. You were created for community. You were created to be with one another. Be honest with family and friends. When you're going through a tough time, a challenging time, be honest. Be honest with your spouse. Be honest with your family. Be honest with your parents. Be honest about that. So many times we try to fight it ourselves. You are created to fight it yourself. Men, especially us, be honest. Say, I need help. Or, hey, talk with me about this. Pray with me about this. Get help from pastors, counselors, and doctors when needed. You know, that's what we are. That's the church. That's the body. Pastors, we have an incredible counselor on our staff team, Kathy Kuhn, who's awesome. And she'll see you for free, you know, that first visit to help you. 
where we have the Refuge Center. We have definitely counselors in our community, doctors also, medication when necessary. Hey, get help. Get help. Surround yourself with godly people. Guys, you will become like the people you hang out with. If you hang around people who are pessimistic all the time, you hang around people who are always worried, stressed out, and anxious, it's just going to rub off on you. But get into a men's group. Get into a women's group. Get into a community group. Get in a place where people are going to encourage you and point you to the Word. We need each other. Learn to be content in Christ. Learn to be content. You know, Paul says, I've learned the secret. I've learned the secret. Here it is. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Don't think that money, technology, or anything else in this world will solve all your problems. I mean, we think, oh, it's going to be more money. I'm going to get it, right? Or more technology. It doesn't work. Alexa, fix my stress. Doesn't happen, right? Alexa, fix my worry. It's not going to happen, right? It's Christ. It's only Christ. Learn to be content in Christ. Focus on what you do have and not on what you don't have. And what you have is the King of kings and Lord of lords. What you have is the sovereign God who is with you and for you. But so often we focus on what we don't have. We look around and we're like, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough this. I look on social media and I can't compare myself to everybody else. Instead of thinking, look at what God you've done. God, look at what you've done in my life. I mean, it's amazing. You sent your son. I have salvation. I have my eternity. It's secure. And God, I have food and shelter and friends and church and community. Thank you, God. Allow God to be enough for you. Allow God to be enough for you. Is he? Is he? And the last one, always remember God is with you. Always remember God is with you. You're not in this thing alone. Through Christ, God is always with you. Through Jesus, you are a child of God. I mean, any parent here, man, you're going to be right there with your kids, right? You, you love them. You care about them. And think about this. You are a child of God. You are a son or daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are forever his you will go through ups and downs in life, but God is always with you. Guys, we live in a broken world. We live in a fallen world. We're going to go through ups and downs. We're going to go through challenges. We're going to go through struggles. You know, if, if we didn't as Christians, how would we be able to share Christ with everybody else? <laughs> how would we be able to help people when they go through dark times or tough times? Because we've been there. We walk through it. David's like writing Psalm 23 to encourage us. And he's been there through the ups and the downs. He's been there through the struggles. And he says, guys, you lack nothing. And I want to encourage everybody who comes after me. I want you to know this. Paul's like, hey, I'm in prison, but I want you to know the God who is with you and the God who is for you. And through Jesus, your eternity is secure. Your eternity is secure. And boy, that changes everything, right? That this world is not all that there is. One of my spiritual heroes is a guy who lived in the 1800s. His name's Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford, I'll tell you about this guy, grew up in Chicago. 
He was successful, he inherited a lot of money from his family, but then he was also a successful lawyer, super involved in church. He was a lay leader in church, always serving and helping out. He was generous. I mean, people love being around this guy. He married a, a woman named Anna, and, and, and things were going great. Yeah, I gave them children, and, and I mean, he, things were good until 1871. In 1871, there was the Great Fire of Chicago. And Horatio owned a lot of property in downtown Chicago, and it was all gone, burned up. And the stress kind of started to get to him, and he said, hey, we just need to get a vacation, and, and we need to go uh, somewhere. So he, he put his family on a boat. They were heading to England on vacation, and at the last minute, he had some things come up, so he had to go back and, and, and start working on these things. And he sent his family on ahead, and he was going to follow across the Atlantic. His family, his wife, his kids were going across the Atlantic and they hit another ship and their boat sank. And his wife sent a telegram and it said this, saved alone. Saved alone. And just the grief that Horatio was feeling and he couldn't believe he got on the next ship headed across the Atlantic. When they came to the place where the ship had sunk. He asked the captain to stop, and he stood there, prayed, and just looked at his soul and spirit, grieved. And then he pulled out a pen and started writing down these words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Goes on to England, reunited with his wife. They grieve, they pray, but they don't quit or they don't stop. And they start serving even greater ways and God gives them more children and they start blessing the ministry of Dwight L. Moody, this evangelist. And they see him, so many people come to Christ. They go to Jerusalem and are leading people to Christ there, Messianic Jews, and for the rest of his life, he's just like, God, I'm going to live it for you. Whatever my lot, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I don't know where you are today. Maybe you're in a good time, and maybe you just rejoice. God, thank you. I'm just in a great time. I'm in a great season. God, use me let me be a person of joy. God, let me be a person of hope. Maybe you're in a tough time. God hasn't left you. And God's working right here in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit. God's doing something bigger than you could dream, bigger than you can imagine. And your faith may impact generations as you hold on to the grace of God, as you trust him. And as we learn to grow and mature in our walk and our faith to say, God, whatever the ups, the downs, God, I'm going to hold on to you. And you're going to be enough for me. So fill me, God, with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory.